gospel for them. Let's take our Bibles, and I'll meet you over there in the book of Daniel in chapter 11. We are continuing our series titled Tribulation Trouble. This is something I like to do every summer, is spend four to six weeks in prophecy, because as we look at our world and we look at the calendar and how things were laid out by God in the Old Testament, we can see how close we are to the Lord's return. I think we've heard that so many times that we can become desensitized to the truth of it. I wake up every single day looking for Jesus to come back. It is the great hope of my life. When I was younger, in my 20s, I used to think I would look forward to a career, to a family, to a purpose, to help my community. And all those things are good. There's nothing wrong with them, and they have a rightful place in my life right now. But the most important thing in my life is Jesus Christ. And it's because of prophecy. It's because I can look back in the Scripture and see that many things have been fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled many prophecies in His life. And the fact that He came back from the dead and has promised to all those that believe on Him eternal life, I have hope beyond anything this world can guarantee. But we hear that so often, you know? I don't know how many of you were raised Baptist. I was raised Baptist. We talk about the coming of the Lord all the time. But I think because of the comfort that we enjoy here in our country, we can almost look at it as something we just say in passing. It would be the equivalent of, God bless you, or amen when you hear something good. But this should really be what you wrap your roots around. The fact that Jesus Christ is coming back is a wonderful guarantee and promise for us to look forward to because of the reality of the tribulation period. It's going to be that last week of Daniel. It's going to be the worst period of time that the world has ever seen. And the ruler who will be in power is unlike any that we have seen up until this point. And I think we kind of have it really, really good right now, even amongst the absolute disgrace of our culture, We are not living under the Antichrist's reign. But there will be people who do find themselves under his power and under his authority. And it's a scary thing when you look at the Scripture and see just how far-reaching and how successful this man will be. He's not like anything that we've seen, but we've seen some flashes of what it could be. One of these days, we'll go through the book of Daniel, and you can see how there were some prophecies that were fulfilled by a man back in uh, way after Daniel's time. But many people think, especially those who are amillennialists, who believe that there is no literal return of Jesus Christ, it's something that is symbolic. The amillennialists believe that some rulers already fulfilled many of the promises we're going to look at about the Antichrist today. But it's an error not to look at the whole counsel of Scripture about the Antichrist. Last week, we spent a considerable amount of time studying things in Daniel chapter 7 about this Antichrist. And Jay read from Daniel 7, verses 9 through 14, which talk about his end, but more importantly, the passing of the keys to the kingdom from the Ancient of Days, God, to the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. And hello, if I can remind you, that is your Savior. We serve Him. There is nothing that can overwhelm Jesus Christ. There is no concern in heaven. There is no fear on the throne about the Antichrist coming reign. The keys will be given to the Son of Man, and His name is Jesus Christ. 
And this, is, this should just encourage us greatly because everything that we see around us is falling apart. I subscribe to a magazine that highlights news through a Christian perspective. It's hard to find sources like that. And even in this source that I use, there are some you know, Catholic things that come up every now and then. But it does a very good job of analyzing our culture. And many of you have heard about this stuff that's going on with uh, people dressing up as the opposite gender and wanting to go to libraries to teach children, and they call it story time hour, and there's all these things going on. This is a new thing that has happened since about 2015. And I, I remember when I was in high school, this movement of sexuality was something that it was very, at least for kids in, in high school, no one really talked about it. It wasn't something that was predominant. But I knew at some point, as I'm looking back now, I was like, this happened fairly recently, this large, aggressive push for lewd behavior and just indecent exposure to children. And right around 2015, a protester in San Francisco, her, her name was Michelle T., started pushing these rights as constitutional rights for these men who dress up as women to be sat down in front of children and expose themselves and push this propaganda movement. And it's been rapidly increasing, has it not? We're in 2023 now, and it's quite appalling to see what has been considered acceptable for television, even in the covering of these protests. I try to stay up on the news as much as I can. I could not watch most of these news reports because of the indecent exposure that was in the content of these protests. And I think this is one of the greatest attacks that we're facing right now, the absolute destruction of what God intended for sexuality to be. I know many sister churches are actually rewriting or adding to their statement of faith very specific statements on traditional marriage, on sexuality, on the transgender movement. Why? Because they are coming for our institutions. Don't take that as something that is inflammatory or something that is said out of context. We saw it this year the rapid movement towards this perversion of sexuality. And it, got, it has a lot of people scared. And if we're trusting in our form of government and in our Constitution to protect us from the evils of this world, folks, they've already got a plan to get rid of all of that. And this is why it's so important that we look past our nation and we look to the coming kingdom, amen? Amen? We've got to look in something that is not man-made. We talk about, well, not we, but our culture talks about a utopia, talks about the triumph of human effort and will. That's communism, folks, and it requires much shedding of blood. We've seen this play out in history. And every communist leader starts out with the idea that we're different, you see. We're different. We're going to bring this about because we're good people. What does the Bible say about mankind? The heart of man is desperately wicked. You ever been desperate for something? You ever seen people who are desperate try to get what they desperately need? It's not a pretty sight. That's the description of mankind. And there will be a ruler who's coming, I believe, after the rapture, he will be revealed. So that is to say, I think he's on the scene somewhere right now. I don't know who he is. 
And to be quite honest with you, I don't so much care. What I am concerned with, with the, with the time that I have left on this planet, I want to win souls. This is the one remedy for people today. Greater than that they will escape the tribulation period, the greater thing is that they have their sins completely forgiven. And isn't it funny that there's an attack on the Word of God? And I I literally mean different translations and versions. There are some things coming out recently. I don't know how recent this is, but there's a new translation. I think it's called the Passion Translation or something. And I just have to park the vehicle here for a moment here, folks, because to us who know our Bibles, to us who know how the devil works, you see these things and your mouth drops open and you go, how can people believe these things? Oh, Romans 16 tells them that these false prophets deceive the hearts of the simple, the innocent people, the ones who don't know any better. They get wrapped up in this culture movement. Passion translation. There are many quotes and comments about this translation, but one of them comes from, I think his name is Ben Johnson. He's one of the big guys in Hillsong. Real biblical church. That's a demonstration of sarcasm, by the way. And in his review of the Passion Translation, this guy's a false prophet, make no doubt about it. He says, even when he gets it wrong, it still shows the humanity in translating the Bible. Yeah, (laughs) I guess. But is that our goal? To interpret the Bible through our own lens? This word will never pass away. You paying attention this morning? James chapter 3 and verse 1 says, not many of you should be teachers because you will be held to the higher standard. But that's what everybody's trying to do today. That's what people are critiquing this ministry of doing. Oh, anybody can turn on a camera and make a YouTube channel. Impartial, they are correct. But what stands out between those who just turn on a camera and record something and those who speak the truth? The Word of God. That's the difference. That's the difference. You've got this major movement right now to make everything personal. It's like you can have the Bible a la carte. Don't like sin? Take it out. Don't like the blood? Take it out. You don't like these things about sexuality? Simply remove them. We see this in the United Methodist Church. is crumbling right now. I mean, based on their doctrinal statement, they don't have the gospel correct. But there are a lot of people who are looking at their churches and they're saying, What has become of our pulpit, folks? It's humanism. It's the world. Leaking into even how we understand the Scripture. And I'm talking about these things because these are real fears that people face. But I'm here to tell you, with all confidence and assurance, it is only going to get worse. That didn't make me feel good. It's not supposed to make you feel good. The truths we read today are supposed to make you consider how you're spending the days you have on earth. Are you trying your best to win souls? Because the deception that will fall on this earth will be quick, it will be widespreading, and people will never trust Christ because of it. I'm glad that there is social media where people can say, really, whatever they want. I know that there's a lot of things on there that I don't agree with, but it enables me to make a channel and start teaching and preaching the truth. And I want to use it in that way. You can talk about a lot of different things. I want to expose false doctrine and point people to the truth. 
Recently, in our YouTube channel, we've started releasing these videos that we've been doing where we react to false doctrine. And I've gotten many emails of people saying, thank you, this is what I was wrapped up in. I've opened up my calendar and scheduled 15-minute appointments almost every day of the week to talk to people and hear them ask their questions. And people get answers, and they're surprised by the clarity of the answer. And I have great peace in that because I'm just pointing people to the Word. And so with whatever platforms you have, with whatever tools you have around you, preach the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because there's coming a time where people will hear that message and they will not believe. Yes, it's happening now. But the Holy Spirit is working. You know why I think we haven't totally just exited in America because of good Bible-believing Christians and the Holy Spirit working through them to at least keep this evil at bay as much as it can. But you've got to understand, and we'll look at this in 2 Thessalonians later, when the rapture happens, the Holy Spirit's work of withholding is no more. It's bad now. Imagine how bad it would be when people have a very, uh, they have no restraint to their evil. I can't imagine it. It's already wicked today. It's already crazy town today. You know what I'm talking about. We just got out of that month where it just seems like every day you're like, what? What? They did what? They said who? Huh? It's shocking. Folks, just because it's July now doesn't mean all that stuff is gone. It's still going on. It's still going on. And it's only going to get worse. I want you to look in Daniel chapter 11 and verse 36. We're going to study some characteristics and abilities of the Antichrist. This is on page 918. Last week we studied a lot in Daniel chapter 7, covered the whole chapter. We looked at the four beasts and these kingdoms, what they represented. But there was a last beast that was great and terrible, worse than the ones before it. It had ten horns, and one of the horns came up. It was the little horn, and he subdued three which left seven, and that little horn, he was speaking great things. And he was speaking blasphemies. And we see more about this little horn of Daniel 7, which I believe is the Antichrist. Take a look at verses 36 through 39. And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that that is determined shall be done. I want to note a few things here. Number one, he has complete power to do what he wills. We do not see that today, except, and I talked about this in the first message of this series, these organized human, uh, humanitarian agencies, the World Economic Forum, even places like the CDC, the WHO, the World Health Organization, all these things, we've seen their power used to influence governments. Did we not see that? You know, it's kind of insane to see the gag order that was put on certain speech in this country during COVID. And now when the data comes out, we find out a lot of what we were told was not true. <gasps> No. 
people would never lie in, in positions of power. We totally went along. And you saw how that changed the world. Today, in almost every grocery store, there's a couple parking spots reserved for pickup. I mean, that might have been for some grocery stores in like 2019, but that came about fairly recently with COVID-19. Now, you can subscribe to all sorts of places where they'll just bring the food to your door. You don't even have to go outside if you don't want to. You know how easily it would be for the mark of the beast to be implemented and you can't, your IP address is blocked, your digital profile is marked because you haven't received this image, you can't even get the food that was delivered to your house. Uh-oh. And now people are going to be hungry. And you talk about desperately wicked. We talked about all that in the first few messages of this series when we looked at those seals and bowls. And we'll talk a little more about it next week when we look at Armageddon. But the man who's leading this whole thing, he's going to do as he wills. I want you to note something else about his characteristics and abilities. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god. These two words, exalt and magnify, show us two things. He will demand worship and receive it. We don't see a leader like that today. The closest I would probably say we see that is the Pope. Oh. That's, an inter- that's an interesting study. That man has the power to change the word of God. You know that, right? I can't remember what it's called, X something, but he can literally say something, and the Catholic Church is supposed to say, so the Pope says, so God says. Woo! Could we see that kind of religious worship given to the Antichrist? Yes. 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 He'll have power. He will conquer as he will. He will receive this worship and demand it. We'll look at that later in Revelation 13. Look at the rest of 36. And shall speak marvelous things. Now, marvelous here, usually when you say something is marvelous, it's good. Unless you say it's like marvelously poor, right? I feel like Gordon Ramsay likes to use that kind of stuff when he's baiting you on some chef show. He's like, this is marvelously terrible. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> But the marvelous thing here is how people interpret it. They will be amazed by his speech. This man will be very, very persuasive in his speech. He'll speak powerfully, boldly. The things he says will come to pass and shall prosper. Look at that. He shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. Till the end of that Tribulation period, this man will be the guy here on earth. Look at 37. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any good, for he shall magnify himself above all. Before we get into the first part, the last part reinforces what was already said in 36. He will elevate himself. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of people who look at him and say, what a prideful man. They're going to go, this man's amazing. I think the world will be unified in their opinion on him. Now, at the middle of the the tribulation period, when those 144,000 enter onto the scene, they're going to start speaking things against him. 
The witnesses, the two witnesses will do the same. And there's going to be three and a half years of absolute total chaos on the earth. This Antichrist is ruling through it all. He elevates himself into power. Breaks this peace treaty that he has with God's people. And guess what? Guess what? He's going to continue through that three and a half years. And he's going to demand worship. And people will no doubt give it to him. You'll see that when we look in Revelation 13 later. But I want to now focus on the, the front part of 37. A lot of interesting ideas here. I'm going to give you my view, but there's many different views as to what these statements mean. First of all, neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any good. Some people take this to be that the Antichrist will be of Jewish descent, because as Daniel speaks here, just from his perspective, he sees that neither shall he regard the God of his fathers. Some people think God of his fathers means Jehovah. And so this Jewish person will be the Antichrist and he will not respect the religion of his fathers. That's possible. I seem to just say that he comes from a family that had some type of religious association, but he himself has abandoned it. Don't we see that in our generations today? I was a part of a generation that at least had parents who went to church the kids that i grew up with at least everybody almost everybody i knew went to some form of sunday school so we knew who moses was we knew noah and the ark all these different things we knew about jesus christ about his death on the cross not many of us knew what that meant or how that was to apply to us but the kids that are coming up now their parents are not in church and they never went to sunday school some Kids do not understand the idea of quoting a chapter with a verse from a book in the Bible. They don't even understand that. When you pray for this ministry, you should pray for those who teach the youth. This is their first time, many of these kids who come to Awana, come to Ranch, Sunday School, this is the first time they're getting any kind of introduction to the Bible. That's only going to continue as we go from generation to generation. So it makes sense to me that whatever this man's background is, he doesn't acknowledge it as the source of his power. The next thing here is one that's also very hotly debated, but it says, nor the desire of women. I'll give you the understanding of this statement from the least likely amongst many you know, scholars to the most likely. Some people like to tie this statement, nor the desire of women, to neither shall he regard, uh, regard the God of his fathers, being that he's a Jewish person who does not have the desire of women in Daniel's time, which was to be the one who brought forth the Messiah. They knew the promises of Isaiah. They understood that a virgin was going to conceive and bear a son. They understood that, and that's what they desired. I think that's least likely, but it's a possibility. Another one is, is that he will not be a straight person, he will uh, push and promote a homosexual agenda. Likely, but I don't think that's what's in line here. I think what is most likely is he will not be a man who, who, who needs any kind of satisfaction from intimacy. He will be that focused on his task in literally conquering and ruling the world from Jerusalem that he will not have the desires of somebody of his stature and ability should have. The last part here is very important. 
nor regard any God. This is why I tend to kind of say, will the Roman Catholic Church be involved really heavily in the end times? I'm not sure, because the Antichrist is not going to regard any God. So I don't think he's going to twist and malign the words of Jesus. I don't think he's going to really lean towards any kind of deity except himself. He's going to be in that place. When you study what the false prophet is going to do, he's going to do miracles that point people to this beast, the Antichrist. It's a brand new concept, but we see it happening in Christian churches today because so many Christian churches are weak on the word. They don't know it. And this this kind of ecumenical movement towards we don't want to offend anybody, we don't want to say anything that's wrong, it is fodder, it is discussion for the Antichrist, folks. We've got churches today that are having services where they promise and guarantee you'll never be offended. This is what's happening in our churches. And I would contend that many of these large ministries are not ministries at all. It's cotton candy, folks. By the way, Dana and David sits right over here. They brought me, because they hear me talk about cotton candy all the time, they brought me some cotton candy. And I'll just put it this way. It is not as good as I remember it to be. Right? It tastes really good in the... But immediately when it hit my stomach, I was like, and I thought, yet another illustration, right? A lot of this fake Christianity that's going around out there sounds good, looks good. When you actually digest it, it's got no good for you. And for those of us who know the word, it's sickening to see what is being said on the behalf of God. But I take comfort in this. God will have vengeance, okay? I don't use that in a hot way, in a way where I'm, I'm angry towards these people, but I do know if they do not change their mind and put their trust in Jesus Christ, there is coming a day where they will stand, as we read in Daniel 7, thousands upon thousands, ten thousands upon thousands around the throne, and those people, can you imagine being at the great white throne judgment, being in front of God Almighty and all His saints and giving an account for what you said? That ought to be something that is said every time a new crop of politicians come into the White House. (laughs) You're going to answer before God. Isn't it sad that we can laugh at that? Because that's where we are today? Oh, the Antichrist is going to have no problem. He's going to pick up right where we... The world is basically saying, let me get it all together for you, sir. And the weak-minded church is saying, oh, us too, (laughs) let's help. He will regard no God, 38. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces. Now, you may have said, well, hang on a second. He doesn't regard any God. What What is this God of forces? Many people take this to mean military might. The God of force, forces. And a God of whom his fathers knew not, shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. He will be wealthy and have economic control. These are two ways that you destroy a nation, is it not? If you can't knock them down with your military force, you get in and control how they buy and sell. 
Look at our country today, how much our country relies on exports, folks. This is why I was talking about with those seals that are broken. And uh, maybe it was one of the trumpets, I don't remember, but one of the seals where a third of the shipping merchants that are on the sea are destroyed. That's going to shipwreck this country, pun intended. It's going to destroy the ability to import the necessary things for life. You go to the grocery store and look at how many stuff, how much stuff is processed. I love Cheez-Its, folks. I don't think there's a Cheez-It plant out there. I can't go plant it at home. It's not a real thing. That requires ex, uh, uh, importing things. We're not exporting really much of anything, except lewd and lascivious, <laughs> lascivious behavior. You know, and, and I'll tell you this too. The countries of the world look at us and they shake their head. We are a laughingstock. We really are. And people think it's progressive and it's love and it's kind and, and the countries around the world go, America is falling. What is happening to America? That's why I'm not really too sure how big of a role America plays in the end times. I don't know. Sure, it could be on the scene. There's where the, the strength and power of the world right now. And I just use the air quotes because what do we really know about the strength and power of our country? could be much greater than we know. But there's a chance, too, that we're just gone. Just, <whistles> goodbye. Not America. Yeah, look at what's happening. We're not even, anyway. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces and a God of whom his fathers knew not. That's an interesting note here. Shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange God. You need to mark that here. He's not going to regard any God, but he's going to work together with some God of military strength that he will have, and he'll have this ability to give honor through monetary contribution and increase with glory. Now, we've got to quickly move to Revelation 13, because it it picks up, John's vision picks up from what Daniel could not understand. Revelation 13, we're going to start on page 1341. As you're turning there, in Daniel 12, Daniel asked two things. What is the meaning of these things? What am I looking at? He, his countenance is changed. His stomach is upset. He is sick with what he sees of his people. And the angel tells him, close these things. It's not time. And then comes John on the island of Patmos in his exile, and he sees and elaborates for us what Daniel already spoke of. And Jesus confirmed it all. Amen? Amen. So when you look at these things, it's not, oh, cuckoo time at Calvary. No, 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 no. Jesus said these things were going to come to pass. Are you the cuckoo one? To say what God through his son said is not true? Folks, that's called blasphemy. It's a good word to understand the definition. To slander the statement of another. Blasphemy. It's the unpardonable sin. When people die and they have not put their trust in Jesus Christ, they essentially are saying, God, what you said Jesus did, I don't believe. 
And that, blasphemy, uh, that, that blasphemes the work of the Holy Spirit. And they will stand and count for that. So when we read Revelation 13 here, we're going to see some Lego pieces fit together very nicely. Look at what it says here in Revelation 13. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having, so take some notes here, seven heads, ten horns, upon his horns, ten crowns, and upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. Now, I'm going to do my best to try and explain to you what each one of these represents. I think the seven heads that we see on this beast represent the seven nations that are ruling at this time. Why is this significant? Because in Daniel's image of this fourth beast, the revived Roman Empire, there were how many horns to begin with? Ten. A little one came up, and three were subdued to his power. I think this beast that has the seven heads, ten horns, and ten crowns, this is the Antichrist himself. This is the depiction, the imagery of this man. He's going to have control through these seven nations. Specifically, there will be ten leaders. Those are the horns. And they will be leaders because they've got crowns. They're distinguished. High government positions. You look at our nation today and you see where corruption begins is in the government. In the government. You study Israel. Where did the corruption begin with the first king of Israel? Saul sacrificed when he should not have sacrificed. And he was pressed three times. Well, I didn't know if you were coming back, Samuel. Well, you know, I didn't want to keep the people waiting. That's not my fault. And Samuel says, it's getting ripped from you today, buddy. It's going to be passed to another. Did Saul learn his lesson? No. He would... He went to a witch so that he could speak to Samuel instead of the proper method, which was to make your petitions known, be in the proper condition through sacrificing, cleansing to be accepted by God. Ooh. And guess what? The witch of Endor was surprised that she got Samuel. You know what that should tell you, folks? These mediums and all that, they know they're not talking with the real thing. There is spiritual wickedness in high places. We know what those who have died and gone on, we know what they say. Tell my family so that they do not come to this place. Oh, but you know what people hear? He's in a better place. He wants you to know that red bicycle with the rust on the left tire, that means something to him. And people... <laughs> you know... You know What's really sad about that is they instantly believe it. And now they hear of Jesus Christ and they go, yeah, but my dead uncle, he's told me this vision through this psych. One of the ladies who's in our ministry here, Shelby Mullen, she will tell you, she's a young, young lady, she will tell you what New Age has to offer to people. And it's knowledge, it's power, it's information beyond this world. Oh, they look at Jesus and they say, he ascended to Christ consciousness, don't you know? And we're trying, all trying to do the same thing. Uh, no. Look at the description of this Antichrist, who I think will rule through powers like that, 
And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. Does that sound familiar? That's the third beast in Daniel's vision. And his feet were as the feet of a bear. Ooh, does that sound familiar? Yeah, it does. That's an attribute of the second beast. You like Some of you, that Lego piece is fitting real nicely right now. And you're seeing, man, this, this all makes sense. This is written many, 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 many years after Daniel. But still by the same author who is the Holy Spirit. Amen? And his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and there's the third beast. And the dragon, which we understood from chapter 12 to be Satan, gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So, there is no doubt. Is there any good in this man? Is there any thing any kind of redeemable quality that we can grab a hold on no he is placed in power he is given authority he works alongside satan this is not somebody that as a believer you want to get close to love tim lahay love the left behind series as fiction but can i tell you there's going to be no getting inside his circle the antichrist this guy is going to be able to sniff out the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in these believers. He is given the greatest power this world has ever seen. Exciting. Why? Because I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be with the real power. Yes. And I will have a robe that fits. Amen. And it will be great. And many of you will be there. And we'll have great fellowship. But we descend back again into the Scripture. Three. And I saw one of his heads as if it were wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. And the world wondered after the beast. Now there's a lot of conjecture here, but let's just chat about it. There's two prevailing theories. I'll give you my thoughts as to which one I think may be more likely. The first one, which a lot of scholars think to be likely, is that one of the seven heads, one of the nations is going to experience some type of destruction to where when John saw it, it's as if it was a deadly wound, and the beast brings it back to life. Now, that would make sense based on what we know about what? His military prowess, his ability to control money. He's got a lot of it. He can control economies. So that's a possibility. The end goal there, excuse me, the end statement of that verse is, and all the world wondered after the beast. And this is where I think it's something else. I think it is literal in that one of these heads is the Antichrist himself, speaking of this image, of, excuse me, speaking of this beast, suffering some type of deadly wound. There will be some type of an attack on this deity. False deity who is the Antichrist. And in this, he's going to appear to come back from the dead. I mean, that would be crazy, right? You're going to argue with somebody who came back from the dead? I don't think he's going to actually die, but he will appear to be dead, and he comes back. And look at the response of people in 4. They worshipped the dragon Folks, the world will worship Satan through this man, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying. So John heard this, and he said, 
Write that down. Write that down. Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Why would they say anything about making war with him? Oh, lest you forget the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which I think are four attributes of the Antichrist reign. The first one is war, bloodshed. Who's going to be able to rise up against this man now? That's why I think he's going to experience some type of death resurrection thing. Folks, you can go right now for a very hefty price, probably about three, dollars $400, and gain access to illegal artificial intelligence software where you can literally upload hours of people's voices, hours of their footage, and you can produce really whatever you want them to say. Now, right now, there exists technology to catch that stuff, but all it is, folks, is the deleting of one line of code. And you can make people say whatever you want. Have there been things that you saw on YouTube that you thought were real and then you come to find out they weren't? I was watching this guy one time and he was going on and on and on about something. He's like, oh, look at this, right? He uploads a video the next day. He's like, <clears throat> it appears that video was doctored. <laughs> doctored? How? It was on YouTube. It must be true. I saw it with my own eyes. I saw it with my own eyes. People are going to see things and it will deceive them. But they, they shout in praise, who is greater than this man? And who's going to make war with this man? Oh, look at what it says here in verse 5. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. I want you to note here, this mouth is given unto him. The things that he says are from Satan to deceive the world. I was riding with Mr. Hernandez this past Friday. We went to a conference together and got to spend some good time with him. And in our discussion, he made a statement that was very profound. And it just reminded me as I'm studying this, the influence of this Antichrist through Satan. Mr. Hernandez said, Satan is the smartest being. He has the greatest intellect. There is no match. We have never seen anyone with his intellect. And you sit there and you think, that's true. How many tries did it take for the devil to deceive Eve? One time. Yea, has God said, just keeping something from you. Your eyes will be open. You'll know the difference between good and evil. You'll be like him. Was that true? Yeah. What's the problem with that? It's a temptation to disobey God. That's why I think when this man comes onto the scene, the things that he's going to say, this is not the prowess of man, right? We've got great writers of our day. We go, ooh, ah, that's good. I think this man is going to write things that people are going to go, wow. He's a God. He's otherworldly. And you know all this stuff right now with aliens. <laughs> and and oh, the government's getting behind it. It's got to be true. Folks, demonic activity. Market. Ghost. Uh, let me retract that. With caution, go study people who have shared hallucinations on hard drugs like DMT and LSD. You know what's interesting? I have watched some of these testimonials from these people. And they're all saying the same things. These beings that they interact with, they talk about that they are already present on the earth. There's no 
big you know, flying saucer coming out to take us out of here that could be used by the world system to explain what happens to Christians. But let me tell you, folks, it's, there's demonic activity happening around us today, right now. Oh, and it's so subtle. You go watch movies today and you see what these directors depict as demonic possession. They're not getting that from just their imagination. And these people on these shared hallucinations, they say, oh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a plane. I, I take these drugs to ascend into their plane. It's no coincidence that the, the Scripture uses for the word rebellion and witchcraft, pharmakia, where we get our words pharmaceuticals. Many people are on... Um, go, go, go watch the PGA Tour today, Right? And you'll see a bunch of ads for some type of medication that'll solve one problem for you, but give you 80 others. And I, listen to it. R- listen to the side effects. You will hear, without a doubt, in at least one of them, severe, vivid hallucinations. Wh- why? I just want my foot to stop hurting. I don't want my foot to now eat my body or appear to do so. There's something behind ingesting chemicals that open us up to demonic activity. Go study the New Age movement and all this ayahuasca that they do. We have one of the most prominent athletes in the world. He promoted it this summer. I'm going to go on a darkness retreat. That's good for you, Aaron. Go stay away from me. Oh, but he was praised. This man, he's, he's so deep and profound. He's a pawn. Used by demons. And you know, kids go see that, and it's like the most important thing today is to be an athlete. And you know, that is destroying people's lives. I've seen it with people. You got no, no contact injuries, it happens all the time. Your knee just poof, and it's just destroyed. And now that's all they have their value in. And they, they, they're sunk into depression. You know what the most important thing for kids is today? To trust in Jesus Christ and know God's Word. And God bless the moms and dads. That's right, I said it. Moms and dads. That teach their kids the Word of God. More than just, oh, the Bible's on the table, but they live it. They live it. We need more of that. And we're not going to get more of it. So those of you who know the Word and you've got children, train your children in the Word. And don't be the person who says it but doesn't do it. Do what it says. Now you realize, whoo, there's a lot of gravitas and weight behind being a parent. Oh, it's not just give them the iPad, right? Because you know what's going to happen? The iPad's going to be telling them some stuff. Folks, I don't even, you can't, like, we got to, like, only watch Little Bear with Remy, you know? She's not watching TV right now. But it's like we can't even show some of this stuff because some of this stuff, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, the homosexual agenda just comes right in. How did we get here? We got here because of verse 5. Speaking great things and blasphemies, power was given unto him to continue 40 and 2 months. So after this deadly attack and resurrection, this man who's going to win the culture war, he's going to win the political war, he's ruling in this power for 40 and 2 months, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. We just saw that in Daniel eleven thirty six and 37. To blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, the third temple, 
You go look at the Third Temple Society and you see how ready they are to get stuff rolling. They've got the red heifers too. Exciting. Why? Because I'm leaving. I'm going. I won't be here for that. But it's interesting to see God's word proven true once again. In the middle of 6 there, and them that dwell in heaven. Now you remember there were those who spoke in Revelation 6 at the opening of the sixth seal. They said, how long will it be until our, excuse me, at the opening of the fifth seal, how long will it be until our blood is avenged? And God says, wait a little bit, there are more. The Antichrist will even speak evil of those that he has slaughtered. You kind of see that in our political workings today, right? You kind of see where the hatred and vitriol between political opponents is so much so that if one of them were to die in a tragic way, they'd be mocked by the opposing party. Antichrist fodder. Seven, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Now, we saw this in Daniel 7 last week, but again, it's reiterated here. John's vision, he's seeing similar to what Daniel had saw, but he's explaining now, this man, he's going to overcome the saints. He's going to kill people ruthlessly, brutally. And power was given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Uh, Racial barriers will be no problem for this guy. Oh, you're in a different part of the world? I can get to you. Verse 8, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This is a very important point. The people who worship the Antichrist in this period of time, they will not get saved. And it's not because God has written them off or taken away their ability to believe. They have hardened their hearts. You study that judicial hardening of God in Romans 1, in Romans 9, portions of 10. God gives people over to their sin. And these people will be so deceived that they will not believe on Jesus Christ. I heard one man that I respect say that he believes the gospel will not even be able to be given at this time. The world will be so far removed from any religious item and activity. Look at 11. And I beheld another beast. Another one? Yep. Coming up out of the earth, he had two horns like a lamb. That's significant. This, I think, will be a Christ-like person. Maybe very humble, don't know. But he's going to have all capital letters, power, and he spake as a dragon. He, and the, this is significant too. I think the Antichrist has very good speech, but he's a hard man. He's rule, he, he rules with death and authority. The things that speak to him are military power and money. This guy is going to speak like the dragon. How did the devil speak? Ooh, subtly, smoothly. First use of that word subtle is when the devil spoke that way to Eve. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul says... Through subtlety, you are deceived from the gospel. And he exerciseth all power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. Again, this is why I think he will be a Messiah-type figure, because even in Jesus' ministry, he pointed people to God. And just as Christ did that correctly, this false prophet is going to point people to the beast. And they're going to go, Oh, yeah, okay. 
And this is why I tell you, whose deadly wound was healed, at the end of 12 there, you see that? Whose deadly wound was healed? That's why I think the Antichrist is going to suffer some type of critical injury and appear to come back from the dead. And 13, he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, like Elijah. I think he's going to deceive a lot of people. Even God's uh, people. Not saints, but corporately, as far as election is concerned, but the nation of Israel. And he doeth great wonders, uh, 14, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. This man was dead. Now he's back. Look at all these miracles I'm doing. Make an image to him. Consecrate it to him in Jerusalem. Worship him. Can you imagine what that will be like? It's like a movie. Someone should get a hold of this script. But you know why no one does? Because it ends with the truth of Jesus Christ. And Hollywood can't have that. We can't have that. Uh, look at it as it continues here. And power, uh, excuse me, 15, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. We have technology today for satellite churches. You can turn on a screen and be anywhere that's connected. How likely could it be that there would be worship centers around the world at that time where there's a holographic image of this beast, and if you don't go and pay tribute, do what you're supposed to do, off with your head, you're done. We're living in that time today. And here's the mark. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. I want you to take, pay attention to this, please, because there's so many people that were deceived by some things that came out recently saying that's the mark of the beast. I had a guy yelling and screaming at me on the phone. I've never met him in my life. I answered the phone and said, hello. He's like, this guy was just, so upset. I'll be honest. I sat the receiver down. I went back to work and waited for it to get quiet. And I asked him, I said, sir, do you know where you're going to heaven when you die? Click. All right. No, a medical vaccine is not the mark of the beast. You have to pay attention to the scripture here. Look at what it says. 16 says, and he causeth. Who is being spoken of here? Who would the subject he be? The false prophet working to push and promote the agenda of the Antichrist will initiate this image which pays tribute to the Antichrist. We didn't see that. We have not seen that yet. We see methods of mass identification, right? Social security numbers. I mean, IP addresses, go study that. They can get you down to exactly where you are. Every single one of your phones and tablets and any other smart-enabled device in here has an IP address. How do I know this? Because our printer has one, and it's always messing up. <laughs> and we've got to reset that IP. There's lots of identification out there, but what is unique about this one? It is specific towards the Antichrist, and it's initiated by the false prophet. That no man, 17, might buy or sell, save he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And 18 tells us that that number is the number of man, 600, three score, and six, 666. Yeah, that's an evil number. We shouldn't play around with that. 
Let's conclude in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I always, when we're talking about the Antichrist and we do prophecy like we're doing now, I, I really enjoy going to 2 Thessalonians because there's some important things there. You have to realize there, what we have studied the past two weeks is heavy prophetic language. That means it's not a lot of stuff that has language that is meant to be clearly understood. I'm not saying it's, it's supposed to be difficult, but there's a lot of symbolism, there's a lot of analogy, there's a lot of illustration. It, it's like looking at a painting in a museum. You're supposed to sit down and ponder it, you know? Oh, okay, I saw the beast over here. And, all that, and you look at it as a whole and you study it. But in 2 Thessalonians, this is direct encouragement from the Apostle Paul to believers today. So this is stuff that you and I, we should be able to look at and say, this is not looking at a museum piece and trying to figure out, oh, this is, what does God have to say to me? A believer. Look at what it says. Verse 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse 3, page 1272 in a Schofield Bible. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. I think that that falling away is the rapture. Lots of people think it's a departure from truth. What I want you to understand is, that day of the Lord has not come yet. That was the rumor in Thessalonica. Oh, you guys missed it. No one's going to miss this. Even if you're dead in heaven, you'll see this. Deception. But that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, and this is the clearest statement of his deification. Look at what it says. So that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. I wonder, it's said it three different ways. The Antichrist will be understood, pushed, and promoted as God himself. Remember ye not that when I was, with, uh, when I was yet with you, I told you these things? Oh, well, brother, we shouldn't talk about prophecy. It's not for us. Really? Well, that's, that's inflammatory. Oh, I'm glad the Apostle Paul doesn't think like that. Let's teach the whole Bible, amen? amen? And, six, now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, and John confirmed this in 1 John. The spirit of Antichrist is already here. What's the spirit of Antichrist? False doctrine. Yeah. Because that's what he's going to do, ultimately. He's going to say, I'm God. The mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That word let, interesting in the KJV, means the opposite. The Holy Spirit is restraining. But there's coming a day when the Holy Spirit leaves in us, we, we go in the rapture, there's going to be no more restraint. That doesn't mean that believers in the tribulation period won't be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think they will. But the Holy Spirit now is not restraining as he's doing right now. Scary. And then eight, shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. Pastor, where does it say that? Daniel 7. Jay did an excellent job reading it this morning. His body is going to be consumed. He's going to be thrown in. This God 
And if you look in Ezekiel, <laughs> I think it's Ezekiel, where there's descriptions of Satan in the, in the last day when he is at judgment, they're going to look at him and say, this was the one who deceived the nations? Just this little thing. No, make no mistake, he's seen as the greatest power today. But the reality of him is he's already going to be in judgment. I think he knows that. Look at what it says. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Amen. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And we see that. He'll have it himself, but the false prophet will be doing the same thing. And with all deceivableness, you should please note that. What is the main weapon of the devil today? Deception. Deception. Predatory deception. <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm going to stop myself from speaking more on the culture, but you look at the culture today, and it is all deception. The movement that's happening right now with the LGB stuff, let me tell you folks, 2015 is like, we're normal like everybody else. Don't worry. We just want the right to marry. And then 2015 came around, and now it's we want to be able to indecently expose ourselves to your kids. And now it's not pedophilia. It's minor attracted persons. It's a disease. Oh, it's a disease. It's not, they're suffering. I'm, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but I'm going to be very clear. That is deception. And as soon, the, the more we race towards stuff like that, that's why I think we're just in the end time. We're living and doing whatever we want. People are doing whatever they want. <clears throat> How long is it going to be before, you know what, someone, someone could say, I don't want you to live anymore. Ooh, that's my right. I was talking to Mr. Hernandez about this, and in his research, he knows that there are professors in colleges that think abortion should be good up to two years after birth. Folks, we call that murder. We call abortion murder, too. Can you imagine looking at a two-year-old child and being in a state where there's a right to kill that child? <sighs> ah, what's happening? Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly, amen? And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, verse 10, in them that perish, because why? Why were they deceived? Why did they see these signs and lying wonders and power? Why? What is the cause? Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Verse 11, and for, this God, and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion. I think God, that sending of strong delusion is through the Antichrist that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned. That's strong language who believed not the truth. What is the truth? What Paul already wrote to them in 1 Thessalonians 4. If you believe that Jesus died and rose again from the dead, the Lord's coming back to get you. But those who reject that, and they live into the tribulation period, will be deceived by this man. And they will not. They will not. Because of their own decision, they will not believe. And that's the saddest part of everything that we've studied over the past two messages. People will not believe on Jesus Christ. 
a study in the end of the millennium when Jesus is ruling and reigning for a thousand years. A study even then says that even in that time, as he physically rules and reigns, the world, through a small portion of people, will rise up against him. That's why you've got to be perfect to get to heaven, folks. There is no good humanity. We all fall short. We need a Savior. We need something brand new. Are you with me? And praise God for His Son, Jesus Christ. Praise God. Let's close our Bibles. I want to share with you that good news. This is very important. This is now the third installment about the end times that we've spoken on. First time we looked in depth about the timing of the rapture. Last time we looked about the letters to the seven churches. And this year we're looking at all of these supernatural powers, the Antichrist and all these things. But those things have not come yet. We don't see the Antichrist ruling and reigning in the way that he will in the tribulation period. And what that means is that there's still time. There's still time to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Don't think you'll be smart enough to see it when it comes. You won't. If you're here today and you've yet to put your trust in Jesus Christ, I teach and preach these things because God's Word says it will be a severe time. And out of genuine care and concern for you, I want you to put your trust in Jesus Christ. Today, don't wait. Because we don't know what the future brings except that. And it's that rule is not a good thing. But you may be asking, how can I know that I'm going to heaven? I've learned this illustration for the sake of making it clear how you can know you're going to heaven. This hand represents you and me. My wallet represents sin. I put this on top of my hand because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This sin comes with payment. Someone's got to pay for the sin. The wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God forever in a place called hell. In order to get to heaven, you've got to be absolutely 100% perfect, just like God. That does not mean I'm going to do my best from this day forward. That does not mean, well, if I give enough and do enough, he'll make me perfect. You've got to have no sin and we all fall short. God loves us, but he hates our sin because it separates us from him. Many people think good works, going to church, turning from sin, starting something, stopping something is going to be a credit towards a payment for their sin. Somebody's got to die for this sin. And hell exists for the devil and his angels, but it will also be where those who reject Jesus Christ will spend eternity. This hand represents Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And this is just for the sake of the illustration, but I want you to understand something. John 3.16 says, For God so loved. God loved you so much that he demonstrated it in this way. For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus Christ. And these are some great words here, that whosoever, whosoever, anybody, you sitting here right now today, pastor, you don't know how bad I am. It doesn't matter, God does. And he still sent his son to die for you. Praise God. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We understand the context of perish because of the promise of everlasting life. 
It doesn't mean you'll never physically die. We're all going to die. These bodies are not designed to live forever under sin. <laughs> Talking about you'll never be separated from God in hell. You'll be given instead eternal life. When do I get it? How do I know? Believest thou this, as Jesus said to Mary. Believest thou this? And that's the question I ask you. Right now, where you're sitting, will you simply put your trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that what he did paid for your sin? If you say, Pastor, yes, I understand that, and I will put my trust in Jesus, then the Bible says, the moment that you did that, Jesus says, you're passed from death into life, you'll never be brought into condemnation again. What does that mean? You will never, ever, under no circumstances, ever have that sin brought back over you as condemnation. That is good news. It's the best news. It's why I do what I do today, because I stand right now. I am positionally before God, fully redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that gives me great hope. It gives me assurance that even though this world is going fast, I'm going to be with Jesus forever. And I'm just waiting. I can enjoy that fellowship now. But I can't wait for him to come back. And I want you to be there. Would you put your trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone? Only you can make that choice. I'd like to have prayer for everyone. If you'd close your eyes, please, and bow your heads. Before we have prayer in dismissal and Dana and Warren come up, I want to ask you, if that invitation to trust Christ made sense to you today, would you put your trust in him? If you did, I'd like to pray for you. And I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up. This is not to put you on the spot or anything like that. I just want to know if this made sense and I want to pray for you. You might say, well, if I raise my hand, that means I'm really, really saved. It just lets me know that you trusted Christ. God bless you. May God bless you. Folks, for everyone who has their head bowed and eyes closed, somebody just trusted Christ today. Amen? That's a good thing. Is there anyone else before we close? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. What we study today, while fascinating it may be, it should put our lives into perspective. We don't have a lot of time left. We need to start looking towards soul winning, winning people to Christ. Take tracks with you on your way out today. Start a conversation with somebody in your family and ask them if they know where they're going to go when they die. Tell them what you've learned, the truth of God's word. But don't take it for granted that you have, oh, I have time to do that. We don't know. And would you pray for the one who trusted Christ this morning? I'm told there was another one. Praise God. Would you pray for them? Father, thank you so much for another opportunity to gather together and read from your word, Lord. As Peter said, it is a good thing for us to be here. Lord, we pray that you return soon. And for those that put their trust in Jesus Christ this morning, I pray that they would continue in attendance here, not because it keeps them saved or anything like that, but so that they can learn and grow through the teaching of your word. I ask that there's a hedge of protection put around them, Lord, and that they would learn with great boldness and love to share what they have understood today. And thank you, Lord, for this ministry. 
and the men and women who have stood in these positions to keep the gospel clear. Thank you for that gospel message. We praise you for your son. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. All God's people said.